The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans we're discussing before listening to the podcast. New episodes air Tuesdays at 10pm on FX. Join us every week after the show. Some time has passed. She's put all the pieces together. She really can understand now what's happened to her. And I think she's figured it all out. There's no denial. She's not hiding from herself at all at this point. She's realized the enormity of it and what happened and what this man, Misha, did to her. But she is taking charge of her life and she's going to try and move forward. Welcome to the Americans podcast for season five. I'm June Thomas, managing producer of Slate Podcasts and your host for the series, which goes behind the scenes of the show. Today, we'll be talking about episode 509, IHOP, with writer Peter Ackerman. Later, we'll hear from the person whose voice you just heard, even if you didn't recognise the accent, Alison Wright, who plays Martha Hansen. Peter, I want to begin by talking about Henry. He's always been an enigmatic character. Did you see his genius coming? Are we supposed to think that he's just taken up the role of the smart kid in part? Maybe not just, but in part because Paige has had so much stress from kind of holding that knowledge of what her parents do. I think that Henry has had to to stake out his own claim within this family. On some subconscious level, he must be aware, I would think, subconsciously, that he's the odd man out and that people are not really looking out for him. People are not home when most parents are home, but he has to develop his own life with his peers at school. So a kid like that can go crudely in two different directions. One direction of drugs or sex or alcohol or, you know, burning ants with his magnifying glass and torturing cats. Or he can say, you know what? No one's looking out for me. I'm going to look out for myself. And he seems to be falling in with a new crowd of kids this year, talking to kids that his parents aren't even aware of, jettisoning away from old Mm -hmm. friends. And it turns out Henry's hanging out with the smart kids. And Henry himself is a smart kid. And he's now a motivated kid. You know, he was teetering for a few years where he broke into the neighbor's house. We weren't really sure. We know that he's he's a competent kid when he was young and he and Paige were picked up by that hitchhiker. Yeah. Henry really defended them as a young boy and yeah. was amazing. There's some implied genetic strength to this yes, kid. Yes. And he's finding his survival mechanism in academic success, which really takes his parents by surprise. I mean, they're good parents. I don't don't mean to impugn the the Jennings's parenting, but the fact that they're so taken aback by that It's kind of a mark of of their lack of attention. That's exactly right. Now, it turns out that he's using those academic smarts also to get away from them. Yeah. There's a scene, of course, in this episode where he tells Philip and Elizabeth he has something he needs to talk to them about. And, of course, it's impossible not to see that and flash back to when Paige demanded to know what her parents were up to. You were kind of wanting us to flash on that, right? We were very aware of that. And in fact, we shot it in the kitchen with him in the same (sighs) physical position that Paige is in. We wanted the parents to have that feeling of, oh, shit, here we go again. We weren't ready for this. Who knows where this kid's going to land on this issue. And yes, we wanted the viewer to feel that. And we wanted the Jennings to feel that. Yeah. In this episode, Philip learns about hemorrhagic fever being weaponized in Afghanistan 
Is that based on a real incident? Yes and no, uh, because some of this stuff has been released and some of this stuff is still classified and, and unsure. It is clear, yes, that the Soviets were, were um, weaponizing viruses. What's confusing about uh, Philip and Elizabeth's experience is that they were told that the Soviet Union, and this is what both sides were claiming, frankly. Yeah. It's, I don't think... In, as clear that the Americans were weaponizing because I think they were just perhaps disguising it by saying, well, we're just trying to find antidotes yeah. if our soldiers are afflicted with this. But clearly both sides were very aware and were studying these. And the, and the Americans were studying it. There was a, a lab, famous Fort Detrick had a lab in which they were studying it, mm -hmm. which we talked about last yeah. season. And we know from last season, uh, based yes. on Young He's husband, that they were yeah. clearly dealing with all this. That being said, Philip and Elizabeth were told that the reason the Russians are doing this was for defensive purposes. What Philip is gleaning from this tape that he overhears is that they're doing it for offensive purposes, which is extremely upsetting to him. <laughs> that being said, they don't know for sure yeah. if, uh, that that's exactly what happened. They don't know that their strain was the strain mm -hmm. that is being used. Mm -hmm. So they KGB can cover their tracks and try and keep their agents clean. But clearly, Philip is having an increasingly difficult yeah. time feeling clean. Yeah. And he's having a hard time not asking those questions. Right? Yes. Or trusting the KGB or trusting his... That's right. And having Claudia back makes another layer of difficulty for him because she is distrustful for him, him yeah. from the start, right. of him from the right. start. Right. And so he has to watch his, uh, how he questions her so she doesn't antagonize her. Mm -hmm. Well, as you say, Gabriel's gone now. And when Philip meets with Father Andre, you know, he finds a needy man, Gabriel yes. having left... Are we meant to conclude that Philip has kind of inherited a lot of Gabriel's contacts and had them added to his already overfull plate of assignments? Well, I don't know yet whether I would say a lot, uh -huh, but the uh -huh. answer is yes. There are some loose ends of Gabriel's that Philip is going to have to tie up or Elizabeth is going to have to tie up. The Father Andre scene turned out to be a very interesting scene for us because mm -hmm. we did view him initially in the creation of the character as kind of a needy man, a mm -hmm. man who had um, developed a bit of a dependence on Gabriel yeah, yeah. and really valued those meetings. This is an interesting thing between the writer and production uh -huh. where things can evolve and grow. We have a brilliant director who directed this episode, Dan Adius, yeah. and Dan discovered a really interesting thing uh, on shooting the scene, frankly, in which it's not simply that Father Andre is needy and needs Philip. It's that Father Andre is in himself inherently a spiritual counselor. And he sees in oh. Philip a recognizable neediness that he saw in Gabriel, a spiritual neediness. Oh. He didn't simply value the relationship with Gabriel because of his own neediness. Uh -huh. And incidentally, the KGB did use these type yeah. of Russian religious figures in the States for these purposes. And... It's a way for that man to justify why he's doing this. You know what? Okay, they need to do this. I have this human being in front of me who is a person in need. And I can help him. And he sees that same emptiness or difficulty inside mm. of Philip mm. and activates that character. And the actor played it beautifully also. Huh. We get to spend a little time with fan favorite Martha Hansen and see her <laughs> Moscow apartment in this episode. The fact that she gets a visit from Gabriel seems to suggest that She's important to him. I mean, he worked with a lot of people over a lot of years, and she's someone who he has come in his retirement. He's made an effort to visit her. Can you sort of talk about how you see Gabriel's feelings for Martha? Yes. It's funny. This episode has a few separate scenes that are very emotional, and the characters do not talk directly to that emotion. Uh -huh. It's all subtext. Yeah. And it's a joke that we often have in the Americans where we'll go into a meeting with Joe and Joel and they'll say, it's about this and the despair of his entire... <laughs> but you can't say any of that. Right. 
Gabriel has spent his life doing this work in the States. His closest relationships in the world are really Philip and Elizabeth Jennings. Mm -hmm. He has come back to a family who barely knows him, to a country he barely knows. He is a man without a country, a man without a relationship. Fascinatingly, in the vast expanse of the Soviet Union, the one person (laughs) who may understand him most is this American Martha. Yeah. So Gabriel comes ostensibly to be charitable and to say, listen, Philip cared for you. I care for Philip. I care for you. We're not inhuman, though we do this work. Uh I want to make sure you're okay. Everything's okay. But what Gabriel may not realize about himself is he is a lost and lonely man. If he could come and be a counselor to Martha once a week and uh, make her his project, it would give him purpose. He is a man without purpose right now. And yet Martha asked Gabriel not to return. Well, I think Martha sees through him, actually. And she says, I know everything now, Gabriel. I think Martha... Martha was so naive. I mean, many of us have watched Martha for years, have written for Martha for years, (laughs) feel for Martha... Whatever Martha needed emotionally from Philip, she allowed herself to close her eyes on an awful lot of things that seemed obvious to us yeah. viewers because of her emotional need. Now she that's all the carpet has been pulled out from under her entirely and yeah. she is plopped down here. You know, she can see clearly now. Yeah. And she looks at this man and thinks, you know what? You're not helpful to me. Yeah. You're not even here for me. You yeah. may not even know that. It hurts me that you're here. I can't deal with this. Go away. Especially when she finds out you haven't told my parents. There's no news from Clark. Like, what is the point of this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was a really interesting operational thing in this episode, the walkie-talkie signaling. Yes. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, it's just a way, you know, these guys are trying to signal each other as subtly as they possibly can. So if you're sitting in a car in a community in Pennsylvania Uh or in wherever you are, Washington or something, and you have to pull up a walkie-talkie to your mouth, that's a problem. If you can make a little noise, that's a lot easier. And so they all know what these very subtle signals are that expose them as little as possible. Yeah. How do you see Tuan and how do you see Philip and Elizabeth's attitude to him? I mean, he's a potential vulnerability. We see that very clearly in this episode. If he's compromised, they're compromised and they've got a lot riding. But they also seem worried about him while he's worried about nothing. Well, I, that's interesting. I, I, first of all, yes. And this, again, gets into our parent-child thing. <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. so many children that they're yeah. dealing with. He is purely an operational ally. And one thing that we have talked a lot about in the writer's room is he's not a kid in a certain way. He is a kid. And this is the irony. He's 16 years old or something. But this kid has been through a lot. And this kid is as much of an ideologue or more, we find out, than Elizabeth. He's also a human being, we find out in this episode. He also has feelings for this family that he has ambivalent feelings for who first brought him to the United States and for his little brother who was there. You know, he's human. That being said... He is a determined soldier, and he will not be swayed. But there was a chink in the armor that is exposed in this episode. Philip and Elizabeth, you are absolutely right. Their lives depend on him, as his does on theirs, frankly. We know that they're not going to give him away, but what does he know? And we don't know about him. We're we're on their side, so we're suspicious of him. We see them at home. We don't see him on his own. That's exactly right. So they are very vulnerable. At the same time, they're parents. And he's a kid, and they worry about him. She worries he's getting lonely. And that... A, that's a, that's an emotional concern. That's also an operational concern. People who get lonely can screw up, as he does, frankly. Yeah, and this yeah. could be a screw-up that he does out of loneliness. Yeah. So I think, like with Henry, they develop feelings for Tuan. They develop parental feelings and worry for him. 
And, you know, I, I don't want to give away further episodes, yeah. but, but like with Misha, like with Henry, and like with Elizabeth, Tuan has agency. Yeah. They can't control him. And that affects them as parents emotionally and operationally. Thank you so much, Peter. Thanks, June. I really enjoyed that. Now let's hear from Martha. So I'm very excited to have the opportunity to talk with the amazing Alison Wright, also known as Martha. Thank you for coming in, Alison. Thank you so much. Oh, it's lovely to be here, June. Great to talk with you. So this is a very Moscow-based episode. And one of the scenes in Moscow is we get this lovely glimpse of Martha's life. She is making Russian-seeming food learning Russian, but then she gets a visit from Gabriel. And it didn't go, I guess, as I kind of naively expected when I didn't really think on it. She's pretty cold to him. Why Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I'd be interested to see what it, it was that you thought it would be. You know, there's been some time has passed. Mm-hmm. She's put all the pieces together. Mm. She really can understand now what's what's happened to her. And I think she's figured it all out. Mm-hmm. Things she didn't have answers to, you know, she's come up with a worse conclusion than it actually was. So there's no denial. She's not hiding from herself at all at this point. I think she's she's realized the enormity of it and what happened and what this man, Misha, did to her. And now that she's stuck in Moscow in 1984... Not the best time to be there in that city. Not exactly the most fortuitous ending for her, but she is taking charge of her life and she's going to try and move forward. In all the research that I had done and what I had read and what I spoke about very early on in season one was that the reality was that like three out of four of these women killed themselves immediately upon finding out the truth. Mm -hmm. They could deal with the fact that their boyfriends, husbands were spies but not that their relationship had been concocted Mm -hmm. that was the part that they couldn't handle so when they found out that part of it which of course Martha also has the majority of them couldn't take it and I kind of thought that maybe that would be her Mm -hmm. ending too and it's pretty great that it hasn't been she's surviving yeah well I guess that was why I thought that she might be more I guess excited is, is beyond the range of possibility but relieved to see Gabriel because even though her interaction with him was very fraught and very tense and very unpleasant he's a familiar face well she wants to know why he's there though why is he there now what's happened yeah something happened to her parents has one of them passed away have they found out do they know what she's done is Clark dead why is he there He's sort of like the angel of death crossing the doorway. It's kind of like inviting Dracula in, literally, actually, (laughs) since it's (laughs) Langella. He's not a great person to see. I think she immediately thinks that something is wrong. Or maybe, you know, they've decided that's it. Their generosity is over. He's going to, you know, pop one in the back of her head. Right, right. So having heard that, I'm now realizing that she also possibly suspects that he's looking for something from her. Just as she's there, lonely, not really knowing anybody, he doesn't really know anybody there either because he's been in America all this time. He's just as alone and alien in a sense as she is. He can at least speak Russian. but So maybe she suspects that he's like looking for her to be his little friend to have meals with. It's hard to know what he would want because how can she believe anything that comes out of his mouth? Right. Now she's had a chance to look back on what 
this Russian man Misha did and said and behaved all the untruths that he concocted Gabriel's capable of the same stuff so yeah. what what number is he going to try and run on her right now okay so probably wasn't going to be hey <laughs> mate how you doing nice to see you <laughs> but she does see him and she sends him off so she definitely gets to be the person with integrity and strength and and she doesn't bend toward him yeah yeah how do you see her life in Moscow do you think she's happy there I think she's a person that's essentially a glass half full type of person. Mm, mm -hmm. She's making the most of it. I can only imagine how difficult the reality of that would be, how very, very difficult. It's not something that necessarily everybody would be up for the challenge or be be capable of of surviving under those circumstances. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so far it looks like she's doing pretty good. Yeah. She's got a little jack of potato and stuff. <laughs> exactly. I love that meal that she was cooking. It was yeah, so... Yeah, until like the 17th time you have to eat it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Jim. Yeah. She's discovering all the things you can do with cabbage. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so we're taping this shortly after episode three aired. Martha being alive was revealed to the viewing public. Americans Twitter freaked out. Did you hear a lot from people? I had a show that night. Oh, I was right. busy on Broadway, don't yes, you know? Yes, of course. But uh, of course, afterwards and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages from people freaking out and yeah. just so excited. And I love how they just slipped it in without much pomp and circumstance. Yeah. And you know, it's very apropos of the Americans to be like, if you miss it, you miss it exactly. sort of thing. You exactly. know, they're not going to dumb it down for you or slow it down yeah. for you. They're just yeah. going to like slip it in there. And I think you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people got a massive kick out of that. Yeah. So it was very cool. People, they've been told over and over and over again that she's alive, that she's not dead. Yeah. But a lot of people wanted that yeah, <laughs> visual yeah. confirmation. Yes, 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 absolutely. They didn't quite believe the Jays, I don't think. Right. You never know what's going to happen until you see the dead body. Anybody could show up. Twisteroos can twisteroo. So we know that you you had you've you filmed a few scenes this season, a couple, let's just say. But it was clearly a very different experience for most of the filming. You were in LA making Feud, Betty and Joan. Did you miss the Americans? Were you kind of hearing what was going on in Glorious Gowanus? I was pretty happy and pretty fully immersed in the Ryan Murphy family yeah. out there and had my yeah. hands full, one with Jessica Lang and one with <laughs> Susan Sarandon, you know, yeah. my hands were full. Yeah. It's great to work, period. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, that I got to pop back to New York for a little while and do three and nine was fantastic. Uh-huh. Very different sets, very different experiences, very different machines. You know, FX is a great network to be at at the moment and that they can sure. have these uh, vastly different shows across the board. It's pretty great. It is. Was that the first time you'd done a show in LA? Yeah, it was, and on a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah very so, different. So in what way? Well, the Fox lot is rather different than the Guanas Canal. <laughs> you know, you can we can walk around where we shoot on the streets uh, for the Americans. We can walk around totally unbothered at all. Yeah. The Fox lot is a massive, huge machine. You know, the, the two stages that I was shooting on, you know, they did the sound of music on one of those stages. <laughs> you know, I was losing yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Marilyn did... So many of her films there. I think Edward Scissorhands was on our lot too, you know, so it was a totally, totally different experience. Anyway, I was very glad to see that you showed up for a few episodes and who knows what is to come in the final season. No one knows. And if they do know, they won't be telling. So thank you so much, Alison, for talking to us about uh, your turn this season as Martha. Thank you. Thanks for having me, June. Thanks to Peter Ackerman and Alison Wright for talking episode 509 with me. 
Thanks also to Ethan Simon for recording assistance and to the Americans Sarah Nolan for her organizational help. Please join us next week when we'll be talking about episode 510, Dark Room. I'm June Thomas. This show is part of the Panoply Network. Network.